now. This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News, Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. First edition news in a minute with Mark Van Aken, but it's semi-finals time in the A-League. So naturally, the two big games this weekend will take set a stage in the show tonight. We'll open up with Melbourne Victory's Lee Broxham, the veritable jack of all trades and master of them all as far as we're concerned. He's going to give us some background on how his side intends to take on Brisbane on Sunday. Then we'll take a closer look at both that game and tomorrow night's Sydney Perth semi with our very own Dean Hennessy to see if we can decide whether a Sydney-Melbourne grand final is a fait accompli or if one of the visitors can spring an upset. Unfortunately, as we all know, though, the politics of the game is never far below the surface. So we'll be wrapping up the first hour with a chat to the Adelaide advertisers, Val Miliaccio, about the growing disquiet amongst the A-League clubs around the exorbitant costs of competing in the ACL, which blew up in the Adelaide advertiser earlier this week in an article he wrote. In the second hour, as always, we'll kick off with second edition news. But with the FFA announcing the closure of the Australian Institute of Sports Centre of Excellence this week, we're going to devote some time to a robust discussion on the pros and cons of the decision with Socceroo legend and former AIS coach Gary Cole. Stand by for some heated discussion on that one. After that, with the first season of Optus's Premier League rights deal coming to a crescendo, we'll talk to Optus football reporter Richard Bayliss about how things have progressed, but we also want to talk to him about the blow-up around Newcastle as they bounce back into the top flight, surrounded by a tax controversy dogging their chairman before Dino returns to go through the highlights of the international leagues. As always, we will wrap it up with stoppage time. Edge... You are the most predictable man I know. Please get your gliding out of the way now. Uh, well, I predicted both winners in the A-League finals last week, and I think Dean only got one, and you, Rob, got zero. <laughs> you are so humble. And I dear am so listener, humble. As but you would probably imagine, he's he's been going on about it ever since the full-time whistle of the I thought we would game. have this little discussion in the and, A-League uh, segment. And then, uh, no, well, why wouldn't we open the show? Because, because you know, Dean's you're, not you're, in this segment. I can't get in his involvement. But knowing you, you'll just bring it up again. And, um, well, well and, we probably will. Yeah, no, well, you, we can, we can revisit it. But <laughs> let's just, uh, well, there's been some great news this yeah, week. Yeah. And if you're a, a Geordie, and there's plenty of Geordies that live in Australia, Newcastle United back in, mm. I thought, mm. but maybe not because this tax stuff. Looking forward mm. to Richard Bayless to find out what's the story mm, there. Mm. But let's just... Uh, can we just give a big tick to Newcastle United? Mm, mm. They averaged over 50,000 fans in each of their home games mm, incredible. this year in the championship. Incredible. And uh, I'm going to make a big call. They are the best fans in club football in England by a country mile. No, you, a country mile? Yeah, if you've ever been, call. If you have ever been to see a Newcastle United game, home or away, they are superb. And they're back in the Premier League, which will help... Uh, broadcast, provided they can get their tax sorted out. Uh, the other, the other item, um, obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, with Dean when he returns. Who could uh, forget Perth smash and grab result over Melbourne City? Uh, putting uh, my gloating aside, yeah. amazing performance, and they'd have to go into the match against Sydney with some confidence. Mm. And it's, I'm just going to Sydney end... were putrid, but Glory were, putrid. were fantastic. Yeah. That's a good word to describe their performance. Glory were brilliant. Um, Self-interest is, is is never too far away from all of us here. What do they always say in a two? horse race always back, back self interest well yes. imagine, at least you know it's trying imagine it like it's it's not unlike me to be looking forward beyond the world cup but imagine mm-hmm. 2019 mm. when uh, if you're a soccer fan you just get on an emirates plane and go to the uae to see mm. us in the asian cup storm through that uh, little tournament and then 
And then in June, back to Brazil, baby. Copper America. <laughs> 12 to 16 teams, 10 South American and six guest teams. Imagine if we got a Guernsey in that. I know Mark's got some more news. Imagine if that. we had a news item later on about it. Yep. <laughs> anyway, g'day, boys. All right, I'll introduce myself. That, well, that was subtle. G'day, Marco. <laughs> well, <laughs> why don't you start with that one? Because that well, is a big no, story got... in the event of my... No, well, for, no, for no, starters, no, for starters yeah. Rob said off the top, is a Sydney-Melbourne grand final a fait accompli? I'd rather say it's a ladder misere. Ah, yeah. ah, see, well, I speak yeah. French very well. Now, we're going to start, Michael, with uh, maybe some disruption. We saw Thomas Broich last week uh, with Brisbane Raw. Probably not quite as big a fan favourite, but a, but a cult hero nonetheless is Melbourne Victory's Tunisian attacker, Fakhid Ben Kalfala, who will depart the club at season's end. The 34-year-old won the club's Player of the Year, just Player of the Year, back in uh, 2014, double-winning season. Ahead of Sunday's semi-final with the Raw, potentially his last match for Victory, Kalfala confirmed he would be moving on He's been linked to the Newcastle Jets, a move that teammate and very good friend of his, Daniel Georgieski, will make in the off-season. He's also been linked to a couple of, well, to an MPL club here in Victoria, where he's been spotted in recent times as well. And they might come up a little later in the news, boys. Do you want to announce this in the middle of the finals? We Uh, saw Thomas uh, upset Craig Moore and co. I'm not sure the victory would be that upset with this, but... I think it's an interesting announcement, isn't it? Uh, Obviously, Georgieski made his announcement... A week ago, wasn't it? Uh, well, no, four, three or four days ago. No, it's a couple of weeks back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so but it is an interesting one. I think we're just coming to terms with the fact that players do move on, um, and it's interesting. It's dynamics. Don't announce it during the finals, surely. No, I think you're coming from the you're coming from the AFL uh, network, you know, where you just. Uh, not used to that sort of thing happening. Where I'm coming from, Michael, is American sports, where there's a very big rule from head office at the NBA, the NFL, uh, Major League Baseball, your clubs, your PR departments go into shutdown during the playoffs. We don't want to hear a peep out of you till the day after the Super Bowl, the World Series, whatever. These are announcements that could wait. I mean, victory might be out of the comp in, in 48 hours' time. Make the announcement then. Okay, so i ask you the question that why did they announce it this week? <clears throat> because it might get out. Hmm. Well, yeah, but, you know. yeah, but it's, I mean, with respect, um, you know, football's not going to knock um, uh, the the other codes off the front page. And you know, as far he can, Cal Fuller has been a very good player. I, you know, it, it's a it's a sort of a you know um, a couple of lines in a, an article if it does get out. You're right, Rob, that uh, Fahid news wouldn't. But you know, it's funny. Thomas Broish was the back page mm. of the Courier Mail two days in a row yes. um, yeah. last week because that of was, it all. That was a big big one, news up there. Yeah. Anyway, now uh, Canberra business analyst Jeff Williamson is leading a group of 12 people putting together an A-League expansion bid in a move that could revitalise plans to build a stadium in Civic in the more central parts of Canberra. Williamson is determined to establish an A-League side in the capital when Football Federation Australia expand their competition in 2046 and set an appetite, there's a bit of a joke in there for you boys, um, that an appetite does exist in Canberra to make the venture financially viable. They're talking about a $350 million stadium up there. Don't forget, not too long ago, A-League for Canberra raised $5 bucks in capital to get their bid off the ground. I ask you boys, why do we have a team in New Zealand's capital and not ours? Good point. What was your gag, by the way? I said they're going to expand the league in 2046. Oh, okay. <laughs> but no, that's a good point, though. Um, it's, uh, you know, Canberra have... Uh We've done a lot in this past uh, 12 months. We, um, you know, we talk about uh, them a lot on this show, and uh, and we, we've seen them both at the FFA Cup level, at the women's level. They've uh, they've got a lot to say. But will this closing, at which we're going to talk about at the Centre of Excellence, impact some of these issues that uh, that that uh, might go to a, an FFA a, a bid? Yeah, absolutely. And we'll chat about that, uh, of course, at the top of the next hour at length with Gary Cole and the whole crew. Now, Jamie Young, this was horrific uh, midweek, was forced Mm. off in Brisbane Raw's AFC Champions League loss 
in Thailand on Wednesday. The Courier Mail has revealed the custodian had to endure 26 stitches in the horror gash on his arm. With Michael Theo already injured, Young was replaced by Tommy Billich with the raw now sweating on whether they'll have the Young, will have Young rather, available for Sunday's A-League semi. Now, there was a decision pending today. We haven't quite got it mm, through yet. Mm. They may have to go in to a preliminary final with their third choice keeper in goal. And I wouldn't be surprised in all seriousness, Jamie Young would be looking at some serious, like, I don't know, tetanus or something more. Because if you saw the pictures, yeah, they weren't it was, very... It was ghastly. Yeah. It, yeah, it was nasty. But uh, I, I imagine he's been stitched up well and truly. He'll mm. get that elbow. He can't. He's he'll a goalkeeper. You think he's going to play a final? Oh, get that elbow. With 26 well stitches in his arm. Strapped up. Well, Tommy Billage a little bit of jungle like, juice. And you're obviously putting you your hand up it. to donate some blood, are you, Michael? What, yeah, what about his blood type is? If Tommy Billage plays like bloody Jamie Young did when he came on, then bring him on because uh, Jamie was I think the Jamie difference. There you go. I think he'll play. I think think, uh, they'll manage that without too many problems. More injury news ahead of the weekend's action. Milos Ninkovic will start in Sydney FC's A-League semi against Perth. Coach Graham Arnold has confirmed and a massive boost for the Sky Blues. The Serbian playmaker has been ruled fit for tomorrow night's sudden death clash after overcoming an ankle injury. He's 100% said Arnie uh, just yesterday. He's training individually at the end of last week and if we needed to push him to play last weekend, of course they didn't have a game, he would have been fine. Mark, question for you without notice. Do you think Sydney are changing anything this week in the lead-up to the final, or do you think uh, it's just another game? I think they're changing things, as we discussed. And this is not a criticism, but um, because Sydney FC are certainly, from a media perspective, one of the best clubs to deal with. Um, Kudos to David Warren there at the club. Always very um, amicable, a guy that's worked on this side of the media, so he gets it. That's often a a criticism of clubs where they employ kids out of uni or kids that um, haven't actually worked on both sides of the media. I think it's imperative, so you understand the pressures of someone like me trying to throw something together um, week in, week out, or day in, day out, whatever it might be. So, But they said to... today and tonight um, sorry we're not putting anyone up because you know we've got the finals this week and my only I got to say and then we'll maybe ask Dino this later in the show you talk about clubs trying to keep things as normal as possible mm. all of a sudden you don't make players available on a Thursday or a Friday mm. you're changing things up and I think subliminally that's sending a message that and, hey and this week's a little bit uh, different and and you you mentioned American sports imagine uh, remember the famous Marshawn Beast Mode Lynch uh, you know I'm just here so I won't get fined you know they would not tolerate <laughs> uh, you know clubs not doing media in the week before a massive game would they I mean seriously yeah. they don't, don't let him get away with they, it they, they did put Broski they did put Broski up but he, they said that's all he's going to say to us so said, okay they'll don't worry about it then. <laughs> but didn't I do a good impression of it? Was, it, was, it was spot on. Now, mate, listen, we, <laughs> we, we, because we're going to do Gary Cole in the top of the the second hour, and we're going to really get into that centre of excellence debate. You've got a lot of good stories here, mate. So can you just give us the top line look at some of these stories? Because the next we, one we, in we will miss some of them. Well, look, I might leave that one for last, okay. for stoppage time, because okay. it's not it's not a fun story, but it's a very interesting one to go through. Mm. Um, I'll leave you on this one, Michael. You'll love this one. Roberto Colos, the man at South Melbourne. Hope will be there. Inaugural A-League coach is heading to Australia next month. The former NSL powerhouse are bringing out the World Cup winner and ex-Real Madrid star to Melbourne to continue talks around a possible association. Uh, South is a club steeped in... Anyway, whatever. Forget the quotes from the club there. Ho-hum. But... Uh there was, they actually did. They actually had Roberto Carlos on the hook. Now all they need is a license. That's the uh, next bit. Don't know. That is the most extraordinary piece of PR garbage. I've ever 
Oh, Hellas. There we go. Let's take a break. Okay, we will take a break. I know you're the host. That's your job. No, no, that's all good, mate. Happy to take your lead on that one. That was good stuff, Marco. Uh, Mate, um, you're going to be back in the top of the second hour because you've got some pretty strong views on on the Centre of Excellence, and uh, I know you're going to come in off the long run with Gary Cole on that one. But after the break, we're really looking forward to having a yarn to Lee Broxham. He's an absolute legend at the Melbourne Victory. He's been a a star player since he he first strapped on a boot at that club, and uh, and he's a a great talent as well, and he's going to give us an insight into their game against the Brisbane Raw on Sunday afternoon. That's all coming up next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Now, Lee Broxham is part of Melbourne Victory's DNA. He's one of those players that supporters love and opponents fear, and he's done it for over 230 A-League games since he debuted in 2006. And we welcome him to Box to Box ahead of this week's semi-final against Brisbane. Good to have you on the show, Lee. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Mate, um, I think I've watched about every single one of your games, mate, and uh, and they are really off uh, full pace, mate. You are a bloke that just puts it all out there on the park. Uh, it's just that something you love about the game, mate, that, um, you, you know, you just you just don't want to leave anything in the tank. Yeah, I mean, that's, I suppose that's how I was... I was brought up and, you know, I suppose, mentored and coached. And the people around me, um, you know, I suppose, brought my character out that, you know, I apply to everyday life. So, mm. yeah, it's something that, um, you know, I suppose I've prided myself on at the club for over a decade now. And, mate, um, look, I opened our show. You wouldn't have heard it, but I, I referred to you as a... Uh, uh, you know, a, a guy who's a jack of all trades and master of them all. Uh, you know, you, you really do play so many positions on the park, and uh, and you seem to have that versatility down pat. Master of none isn't the saying. Ah, yes, uh, but I changed it. <laughs> I said yeah. you're a master of them all. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, yeah, I get asked that a, you know, a fair bit, and it's uh, um, you know something I think you know, probably five or six years ago I thought you know I was a a holding midfielder, and I had, and you know, it's where I've always played, and and you know, there wasn't much else in the tool shed mm. to say. And um, you know, in the space of a year, when I was about 24, 25, I got put in a few different positions and surprised myself, I guess, at the time, yeah. and yeah. Um, you know, surprised a few other people, and yeah. um, it's slowly become easier and easier. It's not saying it's easy, but it's, it's um, become easier over uh, over years as, as I've passed. Lee, uh, when I asked, when I told my wife that we're having you on the show tonight, she said, "Make sure I ask uh, how those kids are going. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> they're good, yeah. No, they're good. They're uh, they're almost one now. So they were born in the off season last year, so it's been a been a, a busy year and it's been challenging as challenges. So, yeah, a serious uh, question. You know, I, I mean, we know what uh, the life of an athlete is like, and it's uh, you know you need to get sleep, you need to eat right at the right times. You need to, um, you know, train at the right times and rest. And what's it been like juggling the commitments of being a full-time athlete with the family commitments when your wife's got triplets and you're obviously yeah. juggling, uh, juggling the family commitments as well? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been life-changing. I mean, everyone says life-changing, but having triplets definitely is, <laughs> as you can sort of imagine. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, as well, we've had um, you know great family support sure, around yeah. us. We're um, Next door to our in-laws at home, so sometimes the uh, uh, night before a game, I, I'll, I'll slip next door and have a sleep. And yeah. um, you know, my wife's been amazing as well. So um, you know, it's not an easy job. You know, she manages them 
by herself sometimes, and it's, uh, it's a difficult job. So I think uh, she's one of the big reasons I've been able to still perform this year. Well, it's fantastic, mate. The, the joy of uh, kids is amazing, but you've got three, three bundles of joy there. <laughs> Magnificent. Yeah. And Lee, we've got one of your old mates uh, in the studio, Dean Hennessy. Uh, there's a few stories to tell between you blokes, Dino. Yeah, hi, Lee. Hey, Dino. Yeah, good. Uh, no, look, I, I just think for the listeners, because, again, um, obviously they all know you from what you've done here in Australia, and uh, you know, I'm really proud to say that I've been involved in part of your career when you uh, joined uh, the Derby Academy, which is called the Onside Academy, many years ago as a 12-year-old when he was playing at Knox. And um, when we went over to England, when he was about 15, he went very, very close, uh, maybe closer than he actually thought, of uh, sealing a contract over there. And it was interesting, because we were just talking off early, but I'll just bring this to the table, that they queried, because you were a midfielder, and as you you already said, like a a sitting midfielder or a deep line midfielder, they queried whether you could go box to box. And I don't know if you remember, we had those two training days where all I did is make you go box to box. And I, I do thought, you, it, do you remember it? Yeah. And I yeah, thought, I, I tell you what, I thought in the game you actually played, I thought he's proven it in two days. He can do this. And <laughs> and I think things like that sometimes when you look now back at your career and and the amount of positions you do play, you know, from a coaching point of view, you're actually a godsend. Yeah, I mean, it was a. Uh, I do remember. I do. I think I do remember having the conversation. Uh, in the car with Terry Wesley, it was at the That's time right, that's exactly yeah. right, yes. Um, no, so, I mean, I suppose that was a, a sign early on that, you know, given a task, I can adapt to certain situations and, um, you know, I've taken it right through my career when I've, when I've been asked to do things like that. And we named the show after your efforts, mate, on that day. Yeah, box to box, that's how we did it, <laughs> yep. Uh, just a quick question now, obviously focusing more on, say, you know, this weekend and, and a big game on uh, Sunday. Yep. How do you prepare, like, again, for the listeners, how do you prepare when you've been there before from a playing point of view? Um, what's your normal preparation for a game like this? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we've I've spoken about it in the past and we've spoken about it this week, that, um, you know, to keep our regular routine and, and to keep doing all the simple things right and, you know, to, to have a good week off the pitch as well, to know, you know, you're doing all the right things at home and, Training's been good so far this week, um, and you know it's just all about doing all the little things right and to the best of our ability, and knowing uh, if if uh, if we perform and if everyone's at 100% and has that little bit more intensity in a finals game, I think we'll, um, you know, there's no doubt we believe that that our best will, will definitely be good enough to win the game. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Melbourne Victory's Lee Broxham just a couple of days out from a massive semi-final edge. Mate, you've got a couple of your usual hard-hitting, insightful questions you want to hit Lee with, mate? Well, the first question I've got for Lee about the game is, obviously, he had a week off. So, um, and Brisbane's obviously had more games in those uh, in that week off than, than what you guys have had. How um, has training been different on the basis that you didn't get an opportunity to play last weekend? Uh, I think we've... I think as a coaching staff, I mean, they haven't told us exactly, but what I've read into it is try to keep a, the week as normal as possible as if we had played. You know, we had a, a tough session on the Saturday and kept our days off the same and then our training routine into this game pretty similar. So I think, uh, you know, I think we changed a few things when we had a week off during the year and uh, um, when it was a split round and things like that. And, um, you know, I think, yeah, our focus we could probably say it wasn't 100% there, but 
I don't think anyone's felt that over these two weeks. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I think definitely the, the week off will, has been good for us. Um, good to, to gain our focus back on and really, really give us two weeks to, to knuckle down and, and, be in the best shape we could be for this game. Now, that was insightful, but it wasn't hard-hitting. Well, the hard-hitting, on. one, the hard-hitting <laughs> question is that our Melbourne victory has been able to deal with Brisbane quite well down here in Melbourne, but up in Brisbane they did give you a bit of trouble. So um, it's not as if... I know you'll be firm favourites. The bookies have got you firm favourites, but Brisbane will give themselves a bit of a look at you, won't they? Yeah, I mean, um, when you say that in Brisbane, we... You know, we gave a good account of ourselves right at the start of the season. At the season, they, you know, snuck a last-minute goal, and in the last game we played against them, it was a good game that we were, uh, you know, very good game. a lot of players. Yeah, yeah. so I think in the home game we obviously won. So um, yeah, we're going to the game favourites, which is which is rightly so. And um, you know, it's up to us to to control the the pressure and to control our expectations upon ourselves. And um, you know, that's that's for the playing group to to decide, and, and the coaching staff, and we'll um, you know we'll definitely go out there being able to being able to deal with that. And it's um, again, we definitely um, think we can win. Two quick questions, Lee. Um, yep. Obviously, everyone prepares differently, and obviously now experience with 230 odd uh, A League games. Um, can you think back to the day when you walked into victory that you'd ever won? Firstly, imagine that you play all of those games and coming into another final that you've played in many, many times. But also, how much of a factor is the crowd, when, when especially when we're at home? Um, well, I suppose, I mean, my fourth game I ever played as a professional footballer was a grand final and we won it 6-0. So at the time, I thought that, come on it's 4-0 game finished with 6-0 and we're you know this is great we'll do this every year um, so since then I've obviously learned that you know, it's, it's a lot harder to reach a grand final and when you're in the situations we're in it's uh, you know you really got to grab them with both hands um, I suppose that's what time's told me um, even with all the, the finals games that I've played in um and what was the other part of the question? No, just saying about, you know, do you get nervous um, even in the big games, you know, and how much of a factor the crowd was? Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, nerves are natural. I think if anyone tells you, um, you know, they're not nervous before any game, that, they're, you know, they probably don't care or, you know, they've fallen out of love with the game. So you're naturally going to be nervous. And I think when when you're at home, you, the crowd does, you know, once they're really behind you, you know, it does does give a little lift to the boys and, and puts, puts the opposition under a lot of pressure and it's um, it definitely is a factor and you know I think at the start of the game usually a little bit cagey in, in finals and in front of big crowds and once we settle down and, and, and get the ball down and play and do all the things that we know we can do I think uh, the crowd will just be you know like a 12th man as they say. Now, mate, you obviously got to get through this game, so we're not going to ask you about a potential matchup against Sydney um, the following week in the grand final. But rather, I, I want to ask you about uh, whether you think Perth um, have got a, a realistic chance against uh, Sydney at, uh, at Allianz Stadium um, tomorrow night. Uh, they, you know, they really took it to City uh, at that game. Uh, admittedly, the City were, were were underwhelming, you know, and that's to to, to put it mildly. But uh, you know, Perth came over and and really they look like a team expecting to win. Diego. Astro was amazing from the start. Mm. They, they were very good. I, I think they're going to give um, uh, Sydney a real going tomorrow night. 
Yeah, I think um, yeah, you know, from from the first previous game, it was you know what they can produce in a game, and um, you know, conversely for City, it wasn't it was probably not one of their better games, um, which is not ideal for a final. So there's lessons learned for for everybody um, from other people's failures. I think from that game, and you know, it shows that Perth can can go away from home and and put in a good performance. Um, but Sydney are a very good side, and if they're at home and they're, you know, they put in a good performance from from what they can do, then they're they're a very hard team to beat. Um, you know, rarely do they make mistakes and and things like that. So, you know, I think it's it's fair for Sydney to lose, but mm. I, I don't think, uh, you know, they're, they're obviously favourites. And um, but finals football, anything can happen. And like you said. Players like Castro and their team are doing well. You know, Keo can score at mm. any point. So, it's, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'll, I'll definitely be watching. I no doubt you will, mate. Well, listen, we'll wrap it up there, Lee. Uh, good luck on uh, on Sunday evening at um, at uh, Amy Park. Five o'clock kickoff there against the Brisbane Roar. Uh, we wish you all the best. Um, obviously, we've got a lot of Brisbane fans who are not wishing uh, you the same good fortune, mate. But uh, hopefully it'll be just a cracking game. And um, and for your sake, uh, uh, you get the result. And, um, and we see you take on Sydney in the grand final that we've all been expecting all year. <laughs> yeah, great. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Good on you, mate. After the break, Dino's going to stick around because we're going to dissect these two semi-finals in some detail and we're going to make a prediction as to who will be going forward to the grand final. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on your preferred app, tune in radio, radio app, whatever you like. Maybe the podcast you're listening to on box to box ntscomau Now, our former Notts County man, 250-game veteran of the Victorian Premier League, Hume City coach, he's already been sitting in the show to talk to Lee Broxham uh, to open it all up. But, Dino, mate, we're going to get into the semi-finals very shortly. But you know what's coming up soon? Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Exactly. Now, this Mother's Day, now, some of us have our mums, some of us don't. Some of us know mums, some of us don't. So to those of our mums who have gone to God, we uh, we keep you in our hearts. But for those of us who have them still here and we have mothers that we've got to buy a gift for, I want you to get down to Chemist Warehouse because they've got the big brand fragrances, the big brand fragrances to get it out at affordable prices. Say thanks to mum with luxury fragrances from Chemist Warehouse like DKNY Fresh Blossom and Be Delicious 30 mils for 24.99. I like that name, Be Delicious. Sounds good. Oh yeah. Versace Bright Crystal Crystal Noir or Yellow Diamond 90 mils just 59.99. That's that's pretty affordable there. Aren't you? That's very nice. Yeah, yeah, you sounded like um, Dino. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you say? <laughs> D and G light blue. You sound like me. A hundred mils, just sixty nine ninety nine. Awesome. Yeah, sixty nine ninety nine for the D and G light blue. Big brand fragrances at affordable prices. Only at Chemist Warehouse, making Mother's Day special. So as I've said, DKMY Fresh Blossom and Bleed Delicious, thirty mils, twenty four ninety nine. Versace Bright Crystal, Crystal Noir, Yellow Diamond, ninety mils, fifty nine ninety nine. D and G light blue, a hundred mils, sixty nine ninety nine. Did you know something, Rob? Yes. When you uh, when you're in the rush on Sunday yeah. after. You've been to 
whether it's to play or in Dean's case, coach, mm-hmm. or in my case, watch mm-hmm. uh, a game on Sunday, you can mm-hmm. just sneak in and uh, get to Chemist Warehouse before or after the game. Yeah, well, you can because, um, you know, they're open early and uh, and you could get it on the way to uh, uh, to see your mum as well because, remember, Mother's Day is not this Sunday. It's not uh, the following Sunday. It's well, the second weekend time, of May, so you've got heaps of time to get organised. So Chemist Warehouse, lowest prices guaranteed. What we don't have a lot of time for is or a lot of time to get uh, our heads around is the fact that these semi-finals are on this weekend. Lee, you know, very comfortable, sounded very relaxed there. As he should sound be. like a man of, As he you know, be. with three triplets just chilling. I and like the uh, fact that he, he sneaks next door to the in-laws to get a bit of a sleep. <laughs> get a bit of yeah. kip every now and again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get yeah, away yeah. from the kids. And, uh, but look, but Mark made the point, um, though, about uh, the, the victory, you know, status quo, steady as she Business goes. Business as usual, yep. Now, our friends at, um, at Sydney FC have been wonderful to us uh, uh, over the last couple of years, but they've shut everything down, you know? Are you worried about the team? Look, everybody does it different, and, and I think, as Marco said off-air, uh, that they've been really consistent in it this year. But, again, um, I'm not going to doubt them. Uh, there, there'll be a reason why they've done it. Um, and if it's make, making sure they're focused, well, then you'll back that in. Um, it's first versus fifth when you look back, uh, irrespective of the final series. The, the gap is 66 points to 39 it's like two leagues away, isn't it, really? Mm. But it's a it's it's a cup game, and a cup game means that uh, you, you can knock the big boys off. Um, Sydney have been outstanding. I just want to mention though, before we just, just preview this game, a bit disappointed in the Melbourne City Perth crowd last week. Yeah, nine thousand, not quite ten for a for a, for yeah. a, for a We're going to talk game. about this in stoppage time because yeah, the, just, the, the ticket prices are crazy, yeah. Yeah, especially with with that in mind. Yeah. So, but look, Sydney Sydney have been outstanding. Uh, they broke the record, and this most probably will never be beaten again. You never know, but it's going to be really, really hard to beat. The interesting thing when I look at both teams: fifty-five goals for Sydney, fifty-three goals Perth. Mm. So both teams are very potent in the final or third it's the defensive it's, it's the next bit that goes 12 goals sydney 53 goals perth and that for me in there lies the problem for perth mm. at home different story away at sydney mm. i can't see uh, and you couldn't judge better. perth's defense last week because city was so hopeless city were so poor, they just yeah. give nothing on, on the until, day yeah and they'll yeah. be disappointed with that but i think sydney's just got everything riding they're, they're really really going to be keen to have a final at home as well mm-hmm. so all the incentives there so for me i can't see anything i don't know about you edge but i can't see or, or you yeah, could, yeah look i mean i go back to the last time perth traveled to sydney it was very at, the, at that time it was a big game perth were were trying to set themselves up as being some sort of challenger and sydney just played them off the park mm-hmm. like in a in a really serious way and yeah. i just think that um yeah I, I get what um mark's saying about um earlier that uh Things have changed a little bit to their approach, but so be it. I mean, you've got to go from Sydney. The defensive structure of Sydney has been so good that mm. they'll get get over the job. I just think that probably um, Sydney would probably rate out of the out of the other three teams that are still in the finals. You know, Brisbane, Melbourne, and Perth. Probably Perth is the worst one for them to play because of the potency of their attack, yeah. mm. and they might just be able to rock Sydney. Well, I had early this in sense game. last week that Kenny Lowe. I had this image in my mind. He's walked up to Diego Castro and said, now, Diego, 
There's not a big crowd here. There might be 10, 15,000. But what we need to do is get on the front foot early and you're my man. And he's looked him in the eyes and said, I want that first goal and I want it early and you're the man to do it. I mean, I had this image in my mind. Maybe, uh, you know, I'm, I'm far from the truth, but you're going to a, a playmaker like that. You tell him you need that first goal to take the crowd out of the game and he delivers like that one week. Maybe he does it the next week. Now, I'm, it's just pure speculation, yeah. but is, is that pop, hypothesis oh, absolutely. unrealistic, Absolutely. It, it definitely can be. I mean, we talk about goals being scored. I was just looking here, like Bobo's on 15, and he's in the, you know, those top 10 goal scorers. Mm. But Perth have got three: uh, Castro 13, uh, Taggart 12, and Keo. So but Taggart and Keo, they just look. They, they bossed that game. They complement they? each yeah, other. Dean's right. The problem is whether Perth can actually defend it. Yeah, whether they can defend well enough to give them a chance. But they can they... play a shootout, can't they? I mean, if they leak in defence, that no, you know, is Sydney's defence that good that they can hold? It is good. I mean, that's twelve good. goals yeah. in twenty-seven games. And Perth, Perth, they need to have a clean sheet or concede at best one goal mm. for them to be a chance. I can't see them doing it. Um, right. So we're all saying Sydney, Sydney win this one yeah. and um, advance to the grand final. Yeah. I we think do. we all swim together or we sink together here, boys. So I think we'll on, go on this Sydney. occasion, um, yeah, I'm not going for it. Mark's, Mark's <laughs> no, no, now actually, uh, again, I wish we had a camera in here because Mark's got his face up against the window of the wall saying he's going for Perth. Okay. All yeah. right, well, someone's got to be the devil's advocate. Uh, the, the Sunday game, um, this may be a little bit more... Uh, likely to spring an upset team, do you? Look, Brisbane, Brisbane did well last week banged against the Windows. They, yeah, they yeah. did, and they've, they've obviously banged up and gone away again on a trip. Mm-hmm. So, well, we, they did rest players. Yeah, I know they've got. I know they've rested they players. Got the um, issue, they, of they've got uh, <laughs> Jack Hingert back, mm. and there's a good reason. The good, uh, the, the mail is he will start and with, also, with a mask. They, they're, they're suggesting that Matt Mackay will be available too. Um, and Harana. Also. Look, they've got to roll all their big dice back in. Mm. I mean, it's it, it's do or die this one for them. Uh, there is no tomorrow for Brisbane. Um, they've done really well to get here. Um, the keeper's obviously the big problem. Well, the keeper's a massive problem. Yeah. Um, and victory. Jamie will get up. I think mm. he will. Well, victory. Victory scored 49 goals this year. So they're you know they're you know they've got Barisha obviously so mm. and also Rojas so they've but, got they've but, got threats up front. So they're going to yeah. have to defend. But just point about that arm. It, it, look, if, if it's 26 stitches, sounds a lot, but uh, but you know you you anesthetise it, you yeah, strap it up. Yeah, a bit of jungle well, juice um, and strap it up, he'll be okay. He's not going to miss his opportunity. No, he is so I think, look, I think the fatigue could be a factor um, with all the travel and the number of games that Brisbane have had in this Champions League. Um, but with Jamie McLaren, obviously a prolific goal scorer, they did on their day. They can do, they can get the job done. I mean, they're, they're, they've got enough quality. We talked about it last week. Tommy Orr, Brett Holman, mm. Jamie McLaren. I mean, they have, um, they have enough. If if Matt McKay, um, if he has recovered from his injury, if Hingit can come back and. Uh, uh, you know, for me, it's a bit of a long shot. Because but it took them a long time to, to get roll it done the dice at, at home against players. the Wanderers last week. So, you know, I, I just, mm. I'm just not prepared to back them, and uh, I think it's a victory Sydney grand final. Look, I think, I think if we look at the the season in a whole, the one thing that we've all been yearning for is the Sydney Melbourne victory final. Yeah, the one yeah. two years ago was where Sydney had been just unbelievably good all year, and victory absolutely mm. battered them on the night, mm, and mm. really never yeah. showed up. There's a lot of revenge. So there's a lot of revenge there, and uh, and I think. You know, that's why maybe, just maybe, that's why Arnie's changed the approach. Maybe the last time they were in that position, they approached it 
that a particular way and he's gone no we'll change it this way and we'll go to this way and at the moment you can't really fault anything he's done so I, mm. I think it'll be victory and I think it'll be a Sydney victory final which hopefully I'll be there Absolutely. and seeing it live are you going for victory Rob? yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm on victory too what a mark behind the window what's he saying? yeah he's yeah, victory he's yeah. okay boys so a big, so big grand final that, I, that means that I take my one game lead <laughs> in the finals table <laughs> you can't lose <laughs> I take that into the grand final yeah you know? at, at the table that you've just made up uh, yeah. because you're leading it well done boys uh, it's going to be a big grand final preview next week we're going to cover it all on box to box so make sure you tune into the show are. because we are going to dissect that grand final within an inch of its proverbial life so uh, Dino thanks can't a lot for the weekend's no problem. games I think that it'll be interesting yeah. it'll be a lot of fun yeah. two fantastic games Hopefully two fantastic games as opposed to one brilliant game and one absolutely Scheisenhausen game, which we saw last week. Well done, Dino. Next up, we're going to talk to the Adelaide advertisers, Val Miliaccio, about the A-League's club's concerns about the cost of competing in the A-League. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talksport. Now, spectators and observers... Most of us look at competitions like the Asian Champions League and assume, just like up there is in Europe, a pot of gold for the competing clubs just to participate. But as Val Miliaccio wrote this week in the Adelaide Advertiser, that's definitely not the case. Welcome to Box to Box, Val. Thanks. Now, before hey, we, really good, mate. Before we get into that, uh, geez, different proposition for Adelaide um, than this time last year, mate. We would have been talking to you about semi-finals and your chances, that sort of thing. What a what a, uh, yeah. a change in fortunes it's been for for um, for Adelaide um, in in the top flight. Yeah, well, this time last year uh, we were getting ready for the grand final. I host the no. grand final because the next weekend I think uh, celebrates exactly a year from when they won it. Yeah, yeah it's all fallen apart after a pretty bad start. And uh, sort of all sort of happened as soon as they won the grand final. I think they had problems recruiting after they lost uh, some very good players: yeah. Stephen Moore, Craig Craig uh, Goodwin, obviously Pablo Sanchez, and. Bruce Kamau, and then they struggled to get going until really um, they got their second wind of imports, and that mm. was Kim Jae Sung from South Korea, and obviously mm. Baba Diawara from. Uh, he came out of Portugal, but he's Senegalese, and I think that mm. sort, of, sort of steadied the ship, but it's too late. Yeah, but uh, look, at least um, you know the the, the uh, fans have had a, a decent look at the uh, the Asian Champions League, and that's what we've got you on the show to talk about, mate. That uh, you know your article dissected uh, uh, this story. But if look, if for those who haven't read it, could you just give us a brief scene setter on on what you wrote? Yeah, well, basically, I had a chat with the chairman um, of Adelaide, Greg Griffin, yesterday, and and we talked about the cost of actually um, funding. Adelaide United, not only Adelaide United, but Western Sydney and also uh, Brisbane Roar in the Champions League. And, and what the Asian Football Confederation actually awards the clubs for participating um, doesn't actually add up because it's costing the clubs from Australia a lot of money just to be part of the competition, mm. which really doesn't make sense. And um, it doesn't help the situation because we all know, I mean, the A-League's not the most lucrative competition. And when you get a couple of clubs like Brisbane and Adelaide and and, and I mean, Adelaide last year were the best team. They won the double and they didn't get rewarded financially from FFA. And then, yeah. uh, they're going to fork out up to 200000 between two hundred and uh, 300000 by the time Game 6 happens in Group yeah, A. And, and don't bury the lead on that, mate. They, they've won the double and they didn't get one cent in prize money. A lot of people will be surprised by that. Yeah, absolutely. And then you look at 
uh, a league like the J League in Japan, and I think the winner this year will be getting $18 million US, and that's compared to zero in Australia. And, and it doesn't help the situation at all. No, not at all. Uh, Val, I mean, can I just t- uh, check with you the temperature of um, Greg's comments to you? I mean, how steamed up was he? Because when I did read this, I did think that it's, you know, if you own an A-League club in Australia, you know, there's responsibility to take the Champions League very seriously. And I thought, when I read this, I thought um, there was some reluctance about participating in the competition. Uh, Am I reading too much into it? No, not really. I think the reluctance was because of the financial situation. It's put the club under enormous strain, and that's what we don't want to see. And obviously, Adelaide's coming off a really bad... Um, season. I mean, they finished ninth you know, after winning the championship last season. The crowds have dropped, and therefore um, their their kitties running dry. And then you, you drain your you know your club of a couple of hundred thousand dollars, and then you could be in serious trouble for the new season unless they get sponsors and something drastic happens. So you got to feel for him a little bit. I mean, but wouldn't uh, you say? He's looking at. But yeah. Val, wouldn't you say that you know that's surely when they took on the responsibility of owning the club and funding it and. Uh, and making sure that it, uh, it it achieves the best it can, that they would go into this with their eyes wide open and and be expectant of that. I mean, um, there is criticism, as you mentioned earlier in one of your answers, criticism about them not re- not replacing the the plethora of great players that left at the end of last season to give themselves a better chance. So, haven't they? Hasn't he got some of this? Uh, you know, isn't this some of his own fault on the basis of the way that they run the club? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, the club has done. They didn't back up the, the championship season properly, in my opinion. Hmm. And and they suffered, and obviously they suffered at the gate, and, and perhaps they suffered because maybe they didn't get the amount of sponsors that they wanted on board. But in saying that, clubs losing to play in the most lucrative competition in Asia, and, and, and they don't get rewarded by playing in the Champions League, and, and then uh, it, it doesn't make real sense when you look at the UEFA Champions League, and I'm not too sure what happens in the in South America or even uh, in the CONCACAF region. But, I mean, it's it's just not on. And he's got a point mm. in, 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 in the way that, you know, they need to be funded better, I think, by the actual confederation. But you do have a good point as well because the club needed to work harder after what they won the championship. Yeah, but on that note, uh, we're talking to Val Miliaccio from the Adelaide Advertiser around his article this week about uh, Greg Griffin, the uh, the Reds boss, uh, anger over the uh, lack of support from the FFA and the AFC for the, uh, the AFC Champions League. And the point you made in that article, which is that uh, in the UEFA Champions League model, uh, the 32 clubs that took part in the group stages of this past competition received $18.5 million each, and this year's oh. winner was tipped to win $145 million. Now, it seems that the big difference here is that there's a European club association that uh, that, that lobbied to get that 93% of the revenues generated from the uh, the Champions League, and, and that doesn't exist right now. So, you, you, you know, to take the devil's advocate uh, view from Edge's um, observations, uh, the, uh, the the Asian uh, competition needs to, to, to get some solidarity amongst it to, to find a similar outcome. Certainly not the same amount of money at, at the moment, but if yeah. they don't start talking, it'll never happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think anyone will be able to challenge you for Champions League because that's the pinnacle, I think, mm. of uh, the intercontinental club tournaments. But the, the the TV deal that the AFC had in place for the Champions League uh, was a total disaster, and I think the deal's coming up mm. this yeah. year. Yeah. And that needs to be looked at because... Um, the company and, that actually won won the TV rights, I think they're, they're the ones reaping all the benefits, and, and there's been no fly-on effect. And uh, you get clubs, uh, the the, uh, 
the clubs in the Middle East, I mean, they're well-funded, obviously, by, by a very rich men, and, and even in China and, mm-hmm. and Japan and South Korea. But, you know, you get to Australia and, you know, you get businessmen funding the clubs here mm-hmm. and they haven't got the same money. Val, just before we go, um, where to for, for Adelaide from here? Do you give themselves a chance? I mean, they're still in the AFC uh, Champions League competition up to their next. They've got one more game to go. Do you, do you give themselves a chance to get through to the next round? Well, I do because even though they're, they're facing Junk Su Suning, they're, they're bottom of the Chinese Super League at the moment. It's unacceptable for the money that they spent. Um, Ramirez, their, uh, their main striker, the Brazilian international, he's suspended for the clash. And I'm also hearing that they might uh, axe the coach pending uh, this weekend's results. So if they do that, I think they'll probably, because they're secure for the second round of the competition in the Champions League, they'll probably bank on bringing a second-string team, and that could fall into the hands of Adelaide if they win the game. And obviously they've got to hope that Gumba or Saka do them a favour by either beating uh, JG United or uh, forcing a draw in, in South Korea. So anything's possible. Absolutely, and as we all know, the Reds have got a, a proud pedigree in the Asian Champions League. Val, thank you so much for joining us, mate. Hopefully we might be talking to you again about that uh, a happy ending to the Adelaide uh, season. Excellent, mate. Stick around. After the break, we're going to dissect the FFA's decision to shut down the Australian Institute of Sports Centre of Excellence with Gary Cole. Optus's Richard Bayless will join us, and Dino's going to come back with the international wrap, and we'll wrap it all up with stoppage time. That's all next on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on whatever app you like. You might even be listening to the podcast on boxtoboxnts.com.au. Soon we're going to dissect the FFA's decision to shut down the Australian Institute of Sports Centre of Excellence with Gary Cole. That's going to be a good conversation. We've got the whole team in the studio to have a yarn about that. We're going to talk to Optus's Richard Bayliss shortly after about the broadcaster's first season covering the EPL and take a good look at the dramas around Newcastle. They've uh, been elevated to the top flight, but with some tax issues going on around their chairman, that might be in limbo. We'll wait and see. We'll talk to Richard about that and see what he's got to say. Dino's going to stick around because after that we're going to talk around the international game and all the games coming up this weekend, the Champions League, etc. We'll wrap it up with stoppage time as we always do. Marco is off the long run about the FFA's decision, but first of all, welcome Gary Cole to Box to Box. Evening, gentlemen. Good to be back. Absolutely, mate. So we've got Dean, we've got Michael, we've got Mark. Now, Mark, mate, look, you're you're off the long run on this. Can can you open up with with Gary um, with your views because um, you know there's a lot of controversy around this decision as to whether it's right or wrong, but it seems to be uh, done and dusted. Well, I don't know if I am. I don't know if I'm telling tales out of school here, Gary. But uh, your mate Dean Hennessy was certainly quite fiery on the phone with me. Uh, I think it was yesterday, actually, when we were discussing uh, potential guests for this segment. But uh, so he's got the new ball, not quite the new ball. But anyway, the point is, look, I'm I'm a little bit vexed with this. I mean, ultimately, on the surface, you go, well, hang on, how the, how on earth are we doing this? We need to look at some of the reasoning that they want to give more than 24 players this opportunity. And I guess, Gary, it's important that you spent uh, three years in the program back in its heyday um, yourself, but uh, attached to the program. We've got, it's important to note this is no longer, I guess, that golden program that delivered the golden generation. No, well, it, it, it's interesting. I, I uh, coached, I was assistant coach to Ronnie Smith um, back in 1987. Uh, it's really interesting trying to do some research. I don't know if you've done that. If you go online now, of course, it isn't the AIS. It's now the Centre of Excellence. 
which is now that the website now lives on the FFA webpage, and it only started in 2006 with players aged 14 to 17. So the AIS program was one of the original sports in Canberra, which kicked off in 1981, and has been there until the the AIS became the centre of excellence. But it, it's had an array of talent. I've got I've got a list of names of some of them. Go through them, <laughs> just, Gary. Just some of them. Oh, I did a bit of this. Uh, how about it. we do this? Can I can I can I mention a list in yep. between questions? Because one 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 big list is yeah. just too much. But I'll come back. You'll be blo- you'll be absolutely blown away. First list, Mark, Mark Baduka, Ned Zelich, Vince Grella, Mark Bresciano, Lucas Neal, Craig Moore, John Alawiski, Kevin Musket. Not a bad group. Yeah, all right. Half dead. <laughs> Not a bad start. <laughs> okay, group two. Stan Lazaridis, Craig Foster, Carl Valeri, Josh Kennedy, Matt Mackay, Robbie Cruz, Nathan Burns, Joseph Skoko. Have those in the team, boys? Not too shabby either. <laughs> yep. They, they make my okay. list. Column three. Frank Farina, some of these are a little bit older. Frank Farina, Warren Spink, Robbie Hooker, Jason Pollock, Paul Trimboli, Steve Horvath, Jason Van Burke, Alistair Edwards, Steve Corica, Hayden Fox, Anthony Milicic. Yes. We're still on. We're still on board. Yeah, I played against board. Alistair that one particular year, so I remember that because I chased him around the park <laughs> for 90 minutes. Captain of Croatia on the top of the next list: Josip Simonic, Brett Emerson, Simon Colosimo, Milis Dijovski, Luke Wilkshire, Jade North, Alex Bross, Mark Milligan, Dario Vidisic, James Holland, Chris Jajanowski, and that's not. Well, that's not very. That, that, that's not a list of everyone that went through. They're, they're the people that graduated from that at a time when they were taken into. But they're re- really there to, to be developed for the under-20 team. And as a result of that, they stayed in longer. But when they left, most of these guys left the AS and all of them went straight into an NSL club and in most cases an, an NSL team. And then, uh, obviously, a number of them went overseas and had fantastic professional careers either in Europe or around Asia. Well, I remember, you know, back in the day, Gary, in those times when all those players were young fellas at the OS, in the football community, if you got tapped on the shoulder to be invited to join the OS, it was a ticket to Europe, wasn't it? It was such the place to be. So my question to you is, times now are very different. Each of the A-League club structures now, I mean, um, especially the ones outside of Victoria, have academies. The ones in Victoria want academies. Um, So therefore, it's a very different landscape that we live in. And effectively, the FFA is going to save $1.6 million, which is what their contribution to the program, uh, it costs more than that to run, but um, that's the contribution that comes off the bottom line of the FFA accounts. So how much does the current environment sway this decision based on the fact that it's a very different landscape for development of footballs now compared to what it was 10 or, or even five years ago? I think it's very difficult because I, I'm going to look at what I saw and experience of the development of players and coaches because remember that uh, Ronnie Smith, uh, the Jim Shardle was the initial coach and Ronnie Smith was his assistant and then when Ronnie Smith got the head coaching job I went up and then when I left Steve O'Connor came in and you know, there's been a range of, of good coaches go through, so it's been a fantastic grounding place for, for coaches as well. It's different today, I get that. Hey, don't, don't we want the best player, player, best player development model we can find? And yes. in my mind, if the A-League clubs, not just the A-League clubs, but the, the Westfield W-League clubs as well, can develop fantastic academies that help 
strong athletes develop their career. That, that's got to be what we want for. But I keep looking at it and saying, we, we've had the, the new way of doing this curriculum and this football thing and this new development thing for around about 10 years now. The difference was when these guys played and were in this academy, we qualified for Youth World Cups on a regular basis. We, we quite often got out of our group in World Cups. Now we're struggling to qualify. Now, that's not just because of this. I'm not naive to, to, to believe that. Obviously, the, the whole of Asia's got strong. There's a whole bunch of other things. But these guys are going in being prepared for that challenge. Educated as men, so a part of their character, their work ethic, they, they needed to study, they needed to work outside of their training environment. Um, but they were preparing to go and represent Australia. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking about the closure of the Centre of Excellence with Gary Cole, Socceroo legend, the man who held famously the record for goals scored in a match for the Socceroos before Archie Thompson knocked him off. Seven goals against Fiji, I think we're correct in saying there, Gary. But um, we are talking about something entirely different today. And, uh, and Dino, mate, you've got um, you know a few observations that you want to make. Yeah, look, I've had, I've had a bit of experience as a player. Um, in fact... Uh, we were the first team when they played in the Victorian Premier League. Uh, we were the first team to take a point off them. <laughs> and that was about round six or seven. Uh, Chris Bainbridge was the referee. As I mentioned off air, Alistair Edwards uh, chased him around all day. But we got a nil-nil draw, first point taken. Then when we went up there, we got beat 3-0 and a young Damian Murray made his debut as a 16-year-old for us. So um, the standards for me in those days for, with these young players was exceptional. Yeah. And... And you've just run off a list there that I'm sure there's a lot of names you've most probably even missed as well, Coley. But oh, of course there is. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. amazing when you throw those names. They're the household names that, you know, in the 34 years I've been in this country that I've watched, you know, when they've gone to, you know, play and play for their country and represent Australia. And what disappoints me about the current structure is they're just putting something out there that think will work. There's no... There's no statistics or any research that's been done that's going to prove that what they're going to try and set up now is going to work. And most probably what I'm hoping for is that there's a lot more research done, get some really, really clear minds, not clubs, not clubs who've got their own personal you know, investment in what they think will work for them, but what's going to happen for Australian football long term? Because you're quite right, we're not doing it at the highest level anymore like we were. And there's got to be a model there if we get the right people in that's been around and, and obviously with experienced people like yourselves where you can call upon things that work. And I think the biggest thing I see week in, week out as a technical director in the local game here in Melbourne is there's not enough tough games for each of the kids each and every week. They're, they're winning games with large amounts. It's not competitive enough. And until we get the best against the best week in, week out, we're never really going to continue to produce the players we have in the past. Yeah, no, I, I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here listening to you, can't you? Yeah, I, 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 I can't agree with that. I, I know you're going to be called a dinosaur and you know you can't live in the past, and I'm not, I'm not for living in the past. We're, we're in a different time with different people, different thoughts, the game is a different approach to teaching the game. Not all of that I agree with, but um, there's got to be a way of combining it so that the best can come together uh, to get better. Um, and, and for me, that works. I think that the current group, the groups that have been in there for the last few years have been, been younger, uh, and that creates challenges as well. Because that, that actually, for me, it takes away a bit from the team environment, because they don't, they, they, they're, they're bored it out. 
So they're together for a team of training, and then they'll bugger off again. You know, these guys, these guys live together. They got into a bit of mischief together, but they 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 sunk or swam together through that whole team environment. So come come those important games in, in World Cup qualifiers, they were they were together as a unit, and as we all know, they achieved some remarkable things. And this is the thing, Gary. I mean, again, and, and I'm ironically in this group, and not ironically is not the word, but I'm the whippersnapper of the group at age 40. So we are having a bit of a reminisce here, but let's let's be serious and, and let's move forward. And exactly your point there. So for the listeners that don't know, the current program is essentially an FFA program that happens to be run at the AIS. It's not a fully fledged AIS program. As you said, the players are billeted out. Think about that for a second. Our elite youth players are getting thrown into God knows where. And yes, those generations come through. You look at um, all the best academies around the world. Do you think in Brazil that their players, they don't stay at the CBF headquarters rather than going all over Canberra? So look, my questions are going on from Dino and we can't answer them all in the short time we've got left. But I know what is the curriculum going to be in terms of uniformity across all the different academies, uh, you know, how do we ensure quality control? Because right now we have quality control because it's centralised at, you know, FFA's centre of excellence. Now all of a sudden, Perth, Adelaide, uh, Central Coast, the victory. Every club is going to do things differently. And the reality is, how do we how do we keep control of the quality of coaching, the curriculum, the access for players themselves, obviously, without being taken, you know, people outside of the, the five capital cities in Newcastle, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, some of these academies are going to charge because some clubs can't even answer that question at the moment. Um, and on top of that, yeah, the accommodation factor. And also, the, the key thing that I think Dino sort of touched on, some of these teams, like in Victoria, it, the other MPL clubs in Victoria don't want these guys playing against them, so they're not even going to play games. I mean, it, it's just there's too many questions for you to answer all at once there, Gary. But, um, yeah. you know, again, you know, there's, there was there was talk. Uh, Kate Cohen wrote a good piece in Fox Sports Media. You know, maybe they should have waited another year or two for this because some of the clubs aren't ready to bring it online. Do you think this has just been a shotgun marriage because FFA wants to save a buck? It's just really confusing. Oh, I've got no doubt they want to save a buck. I think um, when this was first mooted um, back in January, I, we first got wind of it. You know, I, I think even Ange came out and said he'd advise them to keep it until after the, the Youth World Cup qualifying in, in 2019. Gives gives another couple of years. The question is, what they can do with 1.6? Is that is that if you divide that by 10, that's 160 grand. That 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 seriously isn't going to be enough to run no, the academy. They'll, they'll keep it to run camps, Gary. They'll, they'll just they'll use that money in a different way. That's what they'll probably do. Yeah, but I, I think there's no... It's a bit like the whole the whole situation right now. We keep being told there's a plan, and the plan's loose, and it's foggy, and it's got some nice words in it, but what? how are we and how are the players and coaches and the parents going to see a change in the game? You know, we've got a curriculum, and I think that's a fantastic idea. But the curriculum is all very locked in. You know, the curriculum doesn't allow for, um, I'm going to call it persistent practice. So if you if you think about David Beckham and how he could how he could take free kicks, uh, now I'm going to say that over my journey at the AS, I saw a number of players that could take free kicks. I'm not going to call them David Beckham, but because they practiced every day, they were unbelievably good. Now that's gone out. You're not supposed to coach that anymore. Players are supposed mm-hmm. to learn in the game all the time. They're in is like a dilemma. <laughs> Who amongst us would like our kids to learn how to cross the road by experience? <laughs> You know, there are, there are some things, there are some points of reference where where you're better telling someone. Yeah. Now, when they learn, when they learn the experience of that in the game environment, no doubt. But um, you know, I I, I, had the, I don't know. If, again, I'm mentioning someone that's been around a while, but Warren Spink, when he came out of the AIS, yeah. 
I was still playing in the NFL at Preston. He was a, a 17, 18-year-old kid. I'd never seen anyone finish like he did in my life. I, I couldn't believe how calm and composed he was in the penalty yeah. area. I couldn't believe how he passed the ball. He didn't shoot. He passed the ball into the goals. Now, the interesting thing is when you talk to Spinky about what he did, yeah, he trained, he did all the training with everyone else, but any time he had a spare minute, he used to take a bag of balls into the indoor hall, mm-hmm. put cones up, he'd just bounce balls off walls, take a touch and pass the ball into the corner, pass the ball mm-hmm. into the corner. Yeah. Now, my understanding is that's not supposed to be allowed in the way we develop the game today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something, well, Gary, look, not. mate, you, your um, expertise is, uh, is fantastic to... to um, you know, to share with us on Box to Box, and uh, we're really grateful, mate. I think we need this conversation to go on a little bit longer, so perhaps we'll get you back again uh, to discuss this at length and uh, and take it up to the next level. Always happy to chat, guys. Now, before we go, just very briefly, just want some predictions, mate. We can't have you on the show without uh, your uh, predictions for this weekend and grand final. So uh, Sydney v Perth uh, uh, tomorrow evening at Allianz. Uh, got to go. Got to go for Sydney. Can't see uh, I'd, as much as I'd like to win but I, I can't see that happening and I think Sydney has been a fantastic all year and mm-hmm. I, I can't see them missing out on the grand final. And your old club uh, victory v Brisbane at home at Amy Park? <laughs> yeah <laughs> given <laughs> the week that Brisbane has had um, I, I, it's a bit hard to go past victory. Yeah. I don't think they've been in great form coming yeah. into the finals but a victory for me. And the grand final mate? Uh, well I just could, couldn't think after Sydney's fantastic season yeah. Of anything better than victory to knock him off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, mate, we're going to send this up to Arnie and his mob, and they're going to, if they could stick it on the wall, they would. Maybe they'll just play it anyway. He wouldn't expect Gary to say anything else. <laughs> he wouldn't. Good on you, Gary. Thank you so much, mate. Cheers, boys. Next up, we're going to talk to Optus's Richard Bayless. That's on Box to Box. Box to Box. For Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, they're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Now, we're all shocked when Optus trumped Foxtel to win the EPL rights, but not only has the broadcaster pulled the coverage off, on all accounts they've done a very good job. We also want to talk to our next guest, Richard Bayless, about the Newcastle story with the uh, the tax issues around their chairman. But uh, Richard, uh, you must be really proud. You've moved over from Fox to, to Optus and, uh, and you know, all things considered, um, it's been a pretty good first season. Yeah, good evening. Yeah, it's been it's been good. It's been different. I think uh, definitely, you know, I was in that camp as well when uh, Optus won the rights. But uh, was a little bit sceptical, I reckon you could say, and sort of wasn't too sure what it would mean, you know, from a not only a personal standpoint, that's secondary, also just mm. from an Australian football point of view and as a, as a fan of Premier League and, and football from around the world, what it would mean. And I think it's um, representative, I guess, of uh, the times and sort of where we are in terms of digital media and mm-hmm. over-the-top platforms and just the way that sport in general is broadcast. But, um, yeah, it's been a good first season. I think some of the indications early, some teething issues perhaps, and um, that have been worked on to the point where it, it has been a success overall, I think, and hopefully the best, um, well, I, I, I think I'm pretty confident in saying the best is definitely yet to come, so and yeah, all good. And in terms of the eyeballs, what's the sort of number that that, uh, that you're aware of in terms of subscribers uh, at the moment? Well, what I, I'm aware that the, the subscriber numbers have gone up, um, you know, and I think you can attribute uh, a great deal of that to the Premier League. I'm not sure the metrics are uh, available even to myself um, as much as I would maybe like them to be, but I think we can definitely sort of see a pattern from, you know, once Optus first announced they had won the rights, then to the start of the Premier League season and then, then um, from then on, 
there has definitely been an increase. Um, obviously, you know, there's been a fair bit of, you know, a lot of people obviously don't necessarily kind of know how it fits in with them if they're on um, existing deals. And mm. um, maybe it took a little bit longer to, to understand for a lot of people as well how many ways there are to watch, which is understandable. If you've always watched through television itself, you maybe hadn't opened the mind up to those other avenues. But mm. um, by and large, the subscription numbers are up. And uh, there's a lot to look forward to beyond the Premier League season because FIFA Confederations Cup is part of the Optus Sport package. You personally must be looking forward to that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, it's a good opportunity for Optus Sport to kind of showcase its knowledge of the game and, and the pundits will have. Um, I can't give too much away yet. I wish I was allowed to um, mm-hmm. kind of say to you what exactly we'll be doing. But needless to say, we'll be broadcasting all 16 games live with mm-hmm. extensive um, pre-halftime and post-game shows. Uh, we'll have presence on the ground in Russia as well, and it will be. Um, we've actually got uh, someone that will be involved in the coverage that uh, isn't based in Australia. We'll just say that in okay. terms of uh, on the panel. So, someone that will be able to offer that worldwide kind of insight and view, yeah. and um, hopefully we'll have all bases covered. But it should be He's a dangling good... a little carrot in front of us. Yeah. Isn't he? It's not quite telling us. That's right. So yeah, our, exactly. our listeners right around Australia, you better go out and get your Optus subscription in time for because that. Because Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be because he's special big. comments. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's only messy. We couldn't get it. <laughs> we'll see. But Richard, we want to talk to you about Newcastle United because if you're a, a Geordie fan, if you're a Magpie fan, you would have woken up during the week with a big smile on your face uh, because you, the story was you've been promoted and then uh, really only 24 hours later than that was the was the bombshell about the uh, tax office uh, raiding the club and including West Ham as well. What can you tell us about this story and you know where it might go? Yeah, well, I mean, initially, this comes from, um, you know, HM Revenue and Customs, which uh, obviously takes care of all the tax in the UK, and they've got an interesting relationship with uh, British football in itself. Um, you know, players and former players, given the amount of money money that's you know, sort of being dealt with, um, they've always got an interesting relationship. And there are two clubs at the moment, uh, in both Newcastle and West Ham as well, that were raided yesterday. Um, I've actually... Got a bit of an inside uh, word, if you like. It's not so much a story, but apparently Newcastle staffers were just going about their daily business yesterday at the training ground, and all mm. of a sudden the police just came in completely unannounced and um, and, and made a couple of arrests. Yeah, that's right. So some um, staff have been arrested, yeah. That's right. Yeah, Lee Charnley, uh, who's uh, high up there, managing director, I believe, at Newcastle, he was arrested, brought back a couple of hours later, uh, obviously, uh, he wasn't charged, uh, but uh, was asked questions. And it relates to uh, player movement between France and, and the Premier League, or France and Newcastle in the case of um, those guys. And it, any fans of both Newcastle and West Ham will actually know that they do a lot of their recruiting from France. The joke going uh, at Fox a little while ago to my uh, former colleague, Adam, Adam Peacock, uh, quite often um, sort of giving a stick about the second yeah. division French players that would come over. Um, and it's, it's always been a big kind of a supply line for players. So obviously there's elements of, um, you know, whether it's money going in the wrong directions or it's going into the hand of player agents. But like you mentioned, the timing is fascinating, and that to me says a lot about, uh, you know, a lot of people are worried, will there be points deductions? I would suggest given where we are in the current season and given that Newcastle are up and that these investigations will take months, if not years, um, I would think Newcastle will be well entrenched back in the Premier League before 
anything comes to a head. And to be honest, it's probably more likely to be a fine as opposed to a points deduction. So the, the, the big question mark you, you seem to be dismissing here is the uh, you know, the potential for points sanctions if uh, if there's a clear-cut case. Uh, I mean, the Premier League's executive chairman last year, Richard Scudamore, said he would want to see clubs hit with the ultimate sanction, a points deduction for serious breaches under financial fair play rules. So um, based on your information, you don't think that's likely? Well, I mean, I guess I'm only really going off for hearsay. I've spoken to a couple of players who have had their own issues um, today. Uh, in the past, they've had their own issues, that is. And, you know, I think it's generally accepted that when it comes into things like tax fraud, I mean, that's, you know, the paper trail is going to be so long, and, yeah, they've raided to look for um, these elements, and they've started questioning. They also went to Chelsea, actually, to um, mm. ask a couple of questions of them, whether that was a reference point or not, I'm not too sure. But I would be shocked if it's a cut and dry kind of you know make arrests um charge people and here it is here's black and white it'll go through courts for long enough uh, i think ultimately if you're a fan of any other club um you want points deducted yeah. because you know i mean newcastle probably don't spend the money they should realistically mm. but their wage bill is 75 million pounds mm. so that's what 120 million dollars a year they have the money um to to compete when it comes to those big clubs, it's actually a gripe of their fans that they just don't take that extra step mm. in uh, in paying the funds. But I, I would think that um, we'd all want a points deduction if we thought our team was missing out because these guys were, you know, cheating through tax. Absolutely. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talks. But we're talking to Optus's Richard Bayless about the the Newcastle imbroglio. Edge, uh, mate, you had something to chip in there with. Uh, I did because you know, if Adam, if uh, Richard's old uh, sparring partner at Fox, Adam Peacock, is a big Newcastle fan, Richard is a big Leeds fan, as I understand it. <laughs> and are you backing your mob to get through the playoffs, Richard? Well, uh, he first of all, he's backing Newcastle to get kicked out so that he doesn't have to worry about <laughs> yeah. it. Well, I tell you what, Leeds. Leeds need that to happen right now. Yeah. So as much as I think it will drag on and take a long time, I wouldn't mind the punishment to come tomorrow because, uh, <laughs> yeah, Leeds have absolutely thrown it away. They were quite safe, actually, in mm. the playoff spots. Even the start of April, um, we had a, a five- or eight-point buffer over Reading, who are now almost there, and we're yeah. seventh because, uh, I guess, think about the championship, as you guys know, obviously, mm. that it goes for so long, 46 yeah. games. It's brutal, isn't be, it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you have to be consistent all the way through. and. We've had a couple of ordinary results, but it's more the teams around us just keep winning. Fulham are the Fulham team in the competition. And mm. I was chatting to Marcus Water about Fulham last week, actually, um, on our show, um, a previous show on, on Optus Sport. And he was saying that he fully backs them to get in, given their form and the mood around Craven Cottage and Fulham. You know, it's built to this point now where they're ready to come back. You know, they've been mm. out for three or four years. Um, there's enough momentum behind them. They're probably the ones to look out for. Aaron Moy in Huddersfield mm. uh, are confirmed in the playoffs. He's been key, and they'll feature uh, heavily. And they're a Premier League club in waiting as well um, under the German manager, David Wagner. But mm. I'm skirting around the issue of Leeds, as you can probably tell. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. We think, noticed. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think if you'd have said seventh at the start of the season, as frustrating as it is, you would probably take it if you thought you were moving uh, upwards. So, yeah. under Gary Monk, maybe I won't quite rule out this season just yet, but uh, it's looking unlikely. Now, what about uh, you? You're in a great position to judge this because you see so many games um, with your role at Optus. Um, there's still enough games for for Tottenham to catch Chelsea, but uh, it seems like it's going to be a difficult task. What's your view on that? Yeah, I think it is. I think Tottenham deserve a lot of credit because over the last couple of months. You know, they had so many opportunities to let points slip, but they just win and win and win. Yeah. And, 
you know, it's it's a credit to them regardless of how far back they finish. But I think when you look at the fixtures, Chelsea have a much easier run. The hardest game Chelsea have is this weekend away at Goodison yeah, Park yeah. to Everton, who um, won eight on the bounce there, something they haven't done in the Premier League era before. So potentially, you know, they could drop points there. And Romelu Lukaku, a guy who could end up at Chelsea, you know, next season, is very much in the shop window, scores for fun at home. Um, so Chelsea could drop points there. But after that, their running is pretty good. They've got three home games, very winnable ones, whereas Tottenham, have home games, but unfortunately two of them are against Arsenal and Manchester United. So, right. well, you can't discount their form. Uh, you would think that just that buffer Chelsea having four points would be enough to, to see yeah. them home. And what a story would be Antonio Conte as well yeah. coming in and, and changing tactically what that club has done mm-hmm. uh, for a while. And, and other sides now are going with it. I mean, not only Arsenal in the last couple of weeks, but you look at the Socceroos of late as well to go to that back three. Mm. There's that confidence now to play those different systems and you know, the three central defenders and the wing backs seems mm. to be the new kind of, you know, you go back 10 years when everyone went to the four-two-three-one. this looks like it might be the next kind of move tactically. If, uh, if you've got the right wing backs, it's probably the way to go. But it's pretty handy having a bloke like Ingolo Kante in the side. Um, you know, oh, yeah. You're probably playing with 12 men with him on the park these days. Absolutely. And he was uh, you know, a worthy winner of the, the player of the year. Uh, what he does, he's one of those guys, if you're a proper football fan, you put player cam on him and you he's watch amazing. him and enjoy him. <laughs> but if you're not, if you said to someone, have a look at this guy, they're going to yeah. say, why do I want to watch him? I'd rather watch Costa or Azar or whoever yeah, else. But yeah. yeah, he's great. Yeah, fantastic. As you have been with us, Richard, thank you so much, mate. Uh, uh, it's the first time we've had you on Box to Box, and uh, we're really grateful for your time with Optus Sports, uh, you know, doing a great job uh, covering the English Premier League this season. So I um, hope to have you back on the show again real soon, and uh, and maybe, just maybe, with Leeds in the top flight. Let's hope. Thank you for the kind words. Great to be on the show. <laughs> Good on you, Richard. After the break, Dino's going to be back because we want to talk about a little bit more in the way of international football with the round coming up this weekend. That's next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. It's been a bumper show tonight and it gets bigger every segment we roll into and this is no different because we've got the rest of Europe to cover and there's some massive games this weekend Dino but before we do get into it mate I want to talk about our friends at Storage King because we love our friends at Storage King they are the best in the business and you know storage we've talked about whether you're moving selling shifting renting we know that there's an opportunity to store just about anything in fact I read an article from uh, um, New York recently that uh, that people in in uh, New York many people are saying that uh, that they just can't live without a storage unit the the, the you know the accommodation that they're living in uh, just doesn't allow them to Too have tight, yeah. Yeah, the, the space so so don't wait to to get um, at the bottom of the curve and uh, and be the last on on board with storage because you you know everyone needs it and it's not really people think it's it's expensive but it's not in relative. No, it's terms. good. I've I've worked with them uh, for many years, so yeah, I'm well experienced uh, with Storage King. So yeah, yeah. So still support them to, even today. Absolutely, and uh, and one particular point, as we've said many times before, today's technology means you can run a business from almost anywhere. So it's not just residential Including storage. Including storage unit. Exactly. Well, you can. That is correct, Edge. So you know, Storage King can come in there and help you out. So so. Say goodbye to expensive office space and store your stock, business documents and equipment at your local Storage King. They're just around the corner. Call 1-800-STORAGE today or go to storageking.com.au and our mates will look after you. Dino, big, big weekend coming up. 
Well, there is. Um, what are we starting with, Dean? Well, I think I think we might go Champions League, Europa League, okay. just preview what's going to happen uh, next week, and then go into the Premier League, and obviously the Championship. We'll touch on that. So, uh, it all starts on Tuesday, uh, Europe time. Uh, Real Madrid against Atletico Madrid, so a big uh, Madrid derby, which will be enormous. And then on Wednesday, uh, Monaco will host Juventus. Mm. So, interesting tie of which the games will be. Both uh, the next week then reversed. Obviously, Juventus will play Monaco on the Tuesday, and then Atletico will play Real Madrid on the Wednesday with a final, which is on the 3rd of June. So, lots to preview in there. Um, I, you know, just uh, I think the first leg is really important uh, from the away team's point of view. Well, we've talked about this a little bit, haven't we? The, the, whether there's the advantage of playing home, home first, exactly, first or second. Um, so how do you see playing out? Dave? Look, I think I, I think Real Atletico Madrid are really good defensively, as we know. Uh, so they'll try and keep it tight, uh, but they'll try and get an away goal. Uh, Real Madrid, uh, they've done it a few times, pretty tough in this campaign to to get back some some you know near <laughs> PSG comes to mind. Well, Cristiano has been awesome. He has the hat trick, the hat trick, and uh, he's been good value. And I think Monaco. Uh, look, I know Juventus are unbelievably defensively wise, but Monaco are prolific in Europe at the moment, and uh, they're right at the pointy end of the French league. And obviously it is the such semi-final. a contrast in styles. It is. You've got the the goal scoring machine with Monaco and the Catanaccio, you know, the sort of lock it up style of defence that uh, that Juventus employ. It's going to be incredible. Well, Allegri said, like in the last game, he said we could have been there all night. We weren't going to concede. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's tough. But look, I, I like Monaco. I think they're good to watch. Uh, Mbappe, Kylian uh, Mbappe. He ain't bad, is he? He's incredible. <laughs> he and, ain't uh, bad. There's a bit of um, freedom about the way he plays he in does. terms of what he's. 18 yeah, years old. That's age. right. It's just all it's just all happening for him. Really? Isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just yeah, no all fear. happening, and it's just he yeah. doesn't think too much about it. He just gets out there and gets the job done. Mm. But the Italians, you know, if there's one thing they can do, they can defend. Yeah. Look, I think I think there's there's four really good teams in mm. there, and I think whatever final we get, I think mm. it will still be. And a great right, final. I'm, back, I'm backing in the fairy tale. I want to see uh, Gigi Buffon. Um, you want to see him swinging off the gold? Yeah, I want to see it. My father-in-law came to Australia in the early '60s. He was from a town called Treviso in the north of Italy. He arrived in Melbourne. Big Juve fan. Uh, yeah. yeah, look, he, he was a Juve fan, and when he saw the uh, the black and white stripes of the Collingwood Magpies, he made the one of the first really good decisions when he arrived in Melbourne. Did he? to follow the Pies as well. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, but sure Juve was his team. Well, just and, just yeah. a little bit of a bitter taste for the Juventus. I do quite respect them, but. Uh, it was in a certain Brian Clough era at Derby County where yes. he alleged that in the away leg, my dad played in the home leg mm-hmm. of the uh, semi-final, Good game. but they got beat and uh, Cloughy said the referee bloody cheated, he did. So, Shock result. And, uh, I don't believe that. So anyway, but also in Europe. Well, Dino, but Dino, just yeah. before you, you, you leave uh, Champions League, um, no England team again in the final four. No. What does that mean in terms of where English football is in the pecking order in Europe? Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I mean, there's two Spanish clubs, a French club and an Italian club. I when was the last time an English team made this... The final, yeah. Chelsea. I think the last time was Chelsea, yeah. Yeah. So, but it's it's a long time that between the drinks. John Terry one, where he put his outfit on when he was sitting on the bench. Yeah, and, uh, I think so. Not, I don't bag him for that. No, no, because uh, that that's that's the kid in him coming out. <laughs> well, I don't know. That's the sort of thing. A child I don't know where do. it's at really. I mean, I, I'm not really sure. I mean, look at Pep, Pep Guardiola. I mean, you know, he's found it tough in England. It's a tough league in that. It is a over tough there. league. Yeah, but I'm just. 
I'm just thinking of the fact. That... Oh, I think I think statistics say that in some of the European countries they're more advanced in this type of competition. Mm. They know how to win it. Mm. Um, then we have got the Europa League, which I know is a little bit of the poor cousin, but we have got an English team in, uh, involved in yes, this. Uh, so we've got Ajax, a lot riding on it. We've got Ajax and uh, Lyon on Wednesday, third of May, their time, and. Celta Vigo against Manchester United. And then the return legs are played on the same day, on the Thursday, which will be Friday our time, mm. where Manchester United will play at home against Celta Vigo and Leon will host Ajax. So, again, interesting. It's um, I'd like to see, from a British point of view, Man United get to the final and see if they can actually get a trophy in the cabinet. Man United Ajax final is a bit of a it ring would about be, it. Yeah, yeah, it would be a good ring. Well, the Dutch need something to uh, to cheer for, mate. They're going pretty ordinary in the international yeah, Mark right Van Aken hasn't spoken about them very often. Now, the Premier League <laughs> is obviously hotted up through some of the midweek games with Arsenal yeah, beating, those, well, yeah. you know, Arsenal beat Leicester 1-0. Um, Middlesbrough, um, which was big, a northeast derby, beat Sunderland, which gives them a little fighting chance. And Crystal Palace, I think, was 10 minutes from Incredible. the end. And then a great little finish. And Your cousin, mate, uh, he, uh, he, he's, I, I thought he was stiff because that ball curved right I didn't him. see the goal, yeah. so I can't vouch for that. But mm. I'll take your word, Rob. Uh, but Tottenham kept their, their season right on track. And that was a big three points because this weekend will separate the men from the boys because I think this is the weekend where things may go wrong for Chelsea. If they don't and they get through it, then I think it's Chelsea's to win. Um, during the week also, um, Chelsea beat Southampton, so they did their job and uh, maintained another three points. So it's a four-point gap at the top. But if we preview the games coming up, if you look at the league ladder, um, Chelsea on 78 points with Tottenham on 74, and then there's daylight. So it's really a two-horse race this week. Do you give Spurs um, any chance of running Chelsea down? What's your view, mate? Well, I think this weekend is the one, because the toughest game Chelsea have got with their run home mm. is the game at Everton. Everton are seventh. They've had a fabulous season. Mm. Uh, they've been pushing... All of the way through the season, and it's I think Richard Bayless said seven on the trot at, at uh, Goodison. Goodison, and they're hard. That's the thing. It's at Goodison. So I think if Chelsea get through this, mm. then they've got it because they're, they've got a lot of home games in the run home. But again, you know, spanner in the works, a draw, possibly a defeat, and Tottenham do their business. Which um, well, let's look ahead to Sunday for for Tottenham because Lane in wait. I know well, it's not an easy game. <laughs> it's Arsenal. Yeah. Well, it is. It's, it's, the, it's the London their, derby. It's their most hated rival. North London derby. And you would expect Arsenal to uh, to be pretty stiff competition. Yeah, look, I think, well, Despite... it's pride, isn't it? It's mm. not, you know, we think we talked about that with the Villa thing in Birmingham last week, mm. where, you know, the rule book can go out, or the form book, rather. And... Um, for me, Arsenal uh, won through the week, so then you know they're a little bit buoyed and they're going to Tottenham to spoil the party because the last thing that they want is Tottenham to win the league. Mm. So it'll be interesting viewing, I would say. And I think the other important game on the weekend, Middlesbrough, having won, it's a must-win for them against Manchester City at home. Now that's not an easy game, and City need to make sure that they stay in touch. There, they have got games in hand, City. So again, they're only two points behind Liverpool, but have two games in hand. And they have one game in hand on Tottenham, but even if they win it, it's still going to be seven points. So I think their their best is most probably finishing third. 
And I think the other the game is most probably down down the bottom. Obviously, Sunderland now relegated, so they're done and dusted. Middlesbrough's lifeline will need to continue. If they get beat, then effectively I think gone. they're going to be yeah. gone. And really, then it's Sunderland. Sorry, Swansea. Hull and uh, Burnley. I've, I've I've roped everybody out of it. Leicester onwards. I think mm. really it's it's mm. going to be down to Burnley, Hull, and Swansea. And if Middlesbrough can mm-hmm. pull something out of the box, all right. Now give us the 60 second championship summary. Championship. Well, Brighton promoted. Uh, Newcastle promoted. With a question mark. With a question mark. Yeah, Huddersf- be fine. Huddersfield in the playoffs. Reading 79 points. Sheffield Wednesday 78, Fulham 76 and Leeds 73. That's where the story lies there. Uh, At the bottom, um, Rotherham gone. Wigan six points behind, but their goal difference is better than Birmingham's. So if they were to win both games and Birmingham to lose both games, but I I don't think that's really the worry for Birmingham. I think it's Blackburn Rovers. Absolutely. Because there's only two points between those two. Two games to go. Nottingham Forest totally not out of it. Bearing in mind that if Blackburn win, um, and QPR still technically mathematically, and I think Burton, even though I've got them because they're on that 51 because of their goal difference, mm-hmm. I think Burton are safe. Yeah, I reckon. So, just, uh, you know, that everything would have to go wrong for them to to to. Um, to I drop. think so, but and I think I think the, the story most... the story for me in this whole year <laughs> is the bloody blue noses, Birmingham City. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, yeah. the owners really need to be accountable for this. I mean, that's to, to, to sack a guy that was only out of the playoffs on goal difference yeah. and to have a free fall of winning two games for the rest of the season that puts them in this position. Yeah. Well, they they need to be looked at really, really seriously because it's it's not good. Pity they can't be sacked. Well done, Dino. Thank you, mate. Thank you. All next week, we'll, we'll do it all again in grand final week of the A-League. Thanks, Dino. Next up, stoppage time. It's going to be quick, but it's going to be feisty. Box to box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial Welcome goal back to all. Box to Box. The fourth official signals, there's four minutes left. And thank God there's only four minutes left because sometimes <laughs> the stuff that goes on in this studio behind the scenes is not worthy. Off. Come on, stop steal, stealing my time. Come on. Yeah, well, Express, Express Service. <laughs> Joe Barton has called on football to reconsider its links with the gambling industry after he's caught gambling. You're a twat. Go away. <laughs> he fears his 18-month suspension will be the end of his career. We can only hope so, mate. FFA says it will make inquiries about playing at the 2019 Copper America in Brazil. Please, Michael spoke about please, it off the top. Please. Of course, the only reason I've ever made a statement is because Don Bossy Slow revealed down. it all in the Sydney Morning Herald. Yes, yes. As I said, off fair, they're going to need some surgery on that ankle after sitting on the back foot for the most of the last 18 months. Nathan Burns. Burns' time in Japan continued to worsen as he uh, basically got subbed off in the J-League Cup in the 21st minute. Time to cut and run from there. Nathan, he's not getting a game in the J-League. No, keep moving on. Uh, Yes, Aaron Moy, of course, as we talked about, has gotten through. Now, let's get to the ticket pricing, wherever it is. I can't find it. But uh, ticket pricing in the A-League Finals, Michael, is a disgrace. Uh, Families and adults attending Saturday night's prelim, tomorrow night's prelim, between Sydney and Perth will have to pay more than twice the cost of last year's NRL preliminary final played at the same venue, according to Fairfax's Don Bossy again. So two plugs for you in one segment there, Don. The cheapest family pass for two adults and two children for the, for the game, is expect, which is expected to attract 20000 costs 98 bucks compared to 45 for Category C. Now, the NRL is the biggest sport in Australia by some metrics, and these bozos are charging twice the price. Please explain. Well, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed for football fans because it shouldn't happen. Um, it just shouldn't happen. There should be a full house. It should be... It should be much more affordable to go to, and it's just another 
item that we put on the list of how the FFA has misadministered But how do they come up with this decision? I mean, is there no um, yardstick that suggests that a full house with... Uh, lower ticketing prices is a better event as a semi-final. Are they in the shop window at the moment trying to sell their free-to-air rights, or am I mistaken? They are, and we all know that broadcast rights are worth a lot more when you have packed stadiums uh, creating great atmospheres to be broadcast spectacularly through uh, high-definition TV. Now, back in year 11... Not when there's empty seats like Melbourne City... Well, and that's right. And you, you wonder what's um, helped me out, the bloke that was over from City Football Group, uh, Mar- Brian Marwood. What do you reckon he thinks when he's sitting there at a final and there's 9,500 people there? Well, let's let's yeah. just put the queue in the rack on, on absolutely going to town on the FFA until we see what sort of crowd turns up on Saturday night. Well, it'll be just, it'll be just north of 20. 20k sold um, for both games at this point. You would think Gaming Park will get close to selling out. Probably won't mm. quite sell out because there'll probably be a lot of the premium tickets that cost a million bucks each uh, on the sideline. But they'll get close. But uh, I wouldn't expect more than 22, 23 in Sydney. And again, that's 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 healthy enough. But it's still it's only half full. Well, I imagine the FFA would rebut if they were to you know talk to us about this. They would say. Um you know, if they get a close to sell out at Amy Park or a sell out there, and then a in Elion's a, a close to sell out there, or, or well, they're not going to get close to sell out. They're going to get half full. Well, then the ticket price is forty five thousand. I would suggest that they might want to head to O Week uh, in March next week, next year, and pop into the first year of accounting and study price elasticity. <laughs> Simple as that. Uh, Manage the yield. That's yeah. right. And, but it's that's that's what it's all about. Yeah. It's just a shame. I mean, you know, we, we shouldn't be sitting here discussing this. We should be praising How did you go in that class, Mark? Priced elasticity. Elasticity. Well, I, went, I could pronounce it, so that was my first hurdle. But yeah. um, anyway. After that, how did you go? <laughs> um, yeah, right. Counting, not my favourite subject, the counting. But anyway, move on. Well, T. Ledgers, what else? What else we got? We've got nothing. How much time? I'm, I'm no, many more because no, of time. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I, no, no, I'm, I'm conscious of that. But uh, no, I think we'll, we're going to wrap it up here. Because what about the we, uh, uh, Brazilians not wanting to come to play Argentina at MCG? You didn't yeah. give that a go? Yeah. I didn't. We had nothing about that. All oh, right, okay. Fair I enough. didn't. That's the first I've heard of that. Explain. Well, they don't want to come. Well, who? The, the players? Said, no, the coach said in the last 24 hours that he would prefer not, prefer not to come. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, well, that surprises none of us. <laughs> gentlemen, that is full-time on Melbourne, Box. Melbourne in the middle of June is a lot of fun, isn't it? Yes, that is full-time, gentlemen, on Box to Box. Join us next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the World Game.